15th. I'm Todd Brinker. This is Back from the Brink. Aaron will be joining us shortly. That was a little bit of a rough start. We started with the wrong theme. We started with the Generation Tech theme after a long pause. But we finally got the right theme music playing, and voila, here we are. Happy Monday to you all. I hope that you are all doing well. Um, so we've talked about a few different things going on today. One was the Dodgers made it to the World Series. Wow, what a game. Uh, Atlanta and, and L.A. had a terrific series, taking it to seven games. And this was a back-and-forth game. Uh, Atlanta scoring first, getting on the board. Um, then the Dodgers coming back and tying it up. And then a, uh, a great single homer that put them ahead 4-3, to three, and they win the series. Um, that's what stood all the way to the end. And uh, I uh, have admitted previously that I am not a huge baseball fan either way, but if I'm going to be watching baseball, it's going to be the Dodgers. Uh, it's funny, I found out a few years ago that my dad, when he was growing up, was a big Dodger fan. I had no idea, so we share that. Um, he, um, it's just something we never talked about because we weren't big baseball people. We didn't sit and watch. And when I was growing up as a kid, although I played baseball, uh, we spent a lot of time in New Mexico. And uh, where we lived, there weren't any uh, uh, professional baseball teams very close to us. The closest one was probably the AAA Albuquerque team. At the time, they were a Dodgers feeder team. So we had seen them, but that was a 200-mile drive. So we didn't go there often, or a 100-mile drive. Either way, it was a long ways off. It wasn't something that we did on a regular basis. And so uh, didn't get to watch a lot of baseball, um, played some baseball. And, um, you know, then when I got into high school, got into other things and, you know, high school. And uh, anyhow, Dodgers have been in the back of my mind. I've always liked the Dodgers over the Angels here in Southern California, just primarily because I like the National League. The pitchers have to bat. Um, that said, I've been to probably more Angel games just because I think that, that the proximity of and the ease of entry and the better design of Angel Stadium. It's easier to get in and out of. Parking's not as much of a hassle. Getting in and out of Dodgers games is a little bit of a pain. Um, but I've been to both and and have cheered for both teams. Um, they're my local teams, American League and, and National League. But uh, in my heart of hearts, I'm a Dodger fan, and so I am happy for them to um, have made it to the World Series. And I guess I'll start paying attention now. I paid attention last night for the first time, and they won, so that's a good sign, right? Not that we're, sus or, uh, we're um, um, you know, to uh, uh, tied up in in uh, you know rumors or what is it called? Um, it's not suspicious. It's uh, superstitious. Thank you. Superstitious is what comes to my mind. I say thank you to nobody in particular. My own head came up with that, but superstitious. I'm not superstitious about it, but uh, you know I do wear my Packers shirt on Packers days. Tampa Bay. Ha! <laughs> Yuck. Um, and. Uh, and uh, and obviously I wear Laker gear during Lakers days. So I'm um, going to have to get myself some Dodger World Series gear, I guess. Here's Aaron. Hey there. Hey there. How art thou? Oh, it's a beautiful, crisp morning. Yeah, I'm loving the fact that autumn has finally showed up. Yep. Now, it's still warm during the day, but... Um, yeah. You know, the mornings are cooler, and that's nice. Yep. I don't mind it being warm. I just don't want it being, like, hot, hot. You know, when you set your, your sun tea out and it starts boiling, you know it's too dang hot out. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
Yeah, yes. it's not quite that bad, but you know what I mean. It feels it, like it. it, it yeah, like it. it feels pretty toasty. Pretty toasty. So, yeah, I was just thinking I might have to go look at getting myself some, some Dodgers World Series gear. Because, you know, during Packer games, I tend to wear some Packer gear. And when the Lakers are playing, I wear my Laker shirt or my Laker gear. Um, the only Dodger gear I have is a Dodger hat. And, uh, and so I'm going to have to maybe get myself a World Series shirt or something. Do you know the last time they won a World Series was 1988? Yeah, been a while. That Fernando Valenzuela team. Yeah. It's the last time they won. So, yep. it's crazy, right? It's, They're due. Really, it's been a minute. So. They are due. They are due. They are due. So, and they certainly battled for it. That was a heck of a series going to the seventh game. And the seventh game was anybody's game. I mean, it was back and forth. Um, but to have their back up against the wall and basically play three back-to-back-to-back elimination games where you lose and you're done um, and to manage to win them all uh, was pretty phenomenal. And so, um, you know, congratulations to to the Dodgers and uh, and their fans for the National League Championship. So now we take it to the series. So we'll see what happens. Now, do we know who they're going to be playing against in the World Series? Tampa Bay Rays. They won the day before, also in a seven-game series. So, uh, and the, yeah, and the first game is Tuesday, October twentieth, five oh nine Pacific time start. Because you know, athletics always pick some weird time to start stuff. Yeah, why do they do that? I, I don't, don't understand, understand it either. You know, it's it's so that they can do nine minutes of extended advertising before the game starts because they don't want to interrupt the game that much. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, but you'd want people to tune in for the advertising. That's what your advertisers are paying for. Yeah. So they wouldn't advertise it at this, you know, you know what I'm saying? That then they would tell you, be there at, at the Yeah. Be there the at hour. 5 o'clock on and the hour. So, so you can get nine minutes of stuff you don't want to watch i don't know 509 starts i don't understand nba did that the nfl does that too it's just it's weird stuff like on sundays nfl afternoon games start at 105 and 125 and every weekend there'll be a 105 game and there'll be one or two 125 games and you're like it's not huh? weird it's just weird yeah, it is and i and i'm sure there's somebody in the scheduling office at each of these athletic places that'll tell you oh here's the reason we do that I just don't know what it is yet. Someday I'll have to do a little research and find out. Huh. Huh. So did yeah. you watch any fun movies this weekend? I did not. I um, uh, had a headache, and so I, uh, which I get occasionally because of some of my back injuries and neck injuries. And so I basically spent the weekend just kind of nursing the headache and, and not doing a whole lot. I guess I could have watched... Um, sports, but um, Saturday I watched, I don't know, mostly it was home improvement shows on, and uh, when the headache gets bad enough, I have medication for it, but it makes me tired, so I slept through a lot of it, <laughs> and then and then uh, Sunday was mostly football, so. Ah, yeah, I get, I get migraines. Are yours migraines? Are they? Are, um, I've never had them... Ca- I've never had them categorized as migraines, but they um, are related to some nerve injuries that I've had and spinal injuries. So, um, you know, I mean, call it migraine. That's it's, the worst. 
you know, it's it's severe enough that that I want to be in a quiet, dimly lit place and just, you know, let me sit there and be leave leave me alone. And that's kind of what I do. And it happens. It yes. is what it is. You know, you deal with it. Yeah, everybody has something. Yeah, that's kind of how everybody I look at it. Is it's you know that's that's my personal cross to bear, but other people have have much you know more severe issues that they have to deal with. Uh, yeah. Well, um, I I've you know these head headaches are terrible. I mean, I I get them, and you. The thing about it, so I don't want to take the heavy-duty medication because it upsets my stomach, and it knocks me out. And so I try to take the Excedrin migraine, but that stuff is habit-forming. Habit you know, like I, I talked about with my headaches two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, you end up taking stuff that just maybe takes the ed- edge off, like, you know, plain old Tylenol, but it doesn't knock out the migraine, and it's hard right. to function. It's hard to think. It's hard to, you know. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I have the same issue because my, yeah, when it's really bad, I've got meds that'll help with it. But then, yeah, you don't want to take them too often because, yeah, they're not not something that you want to be, you know, um, relying on to get through the day. And so, um, you know, it's, you know, you make choices and you just say, well, you know, is it something I can get by with, with, you know, like you said, some Tylenol or some Advil or Numproxen sodium seems to be the thing that works the best for me, and I have some prescription strength of that, so I'll take that. And it's that's nice because it's you know morning and evening dosing. It's twelve hour dosing, so you don't have to you know be yeah. But the flip side of it is, some people would say, well, I'd rather take something that only lasts a few hours because then if I feel better, I don't have to take any more of it. You know, I can dole it out over time and stop more granularly. So because it is so tough on your stomach you too. Yeah, it is. All of that stuff is tough on the stomach, except the Tylenol, which is tough on the liver. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's like none um, of this stuff is actually good for you. It just helps with an issue. You know, it, 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 it's not like it's vitamins or something, yes. right? Uh, yeah. So, so, have you heard about this QAnon conspiracy? Have you followed that at all? And only what they've talked about, uh, the, the asked the president about, and he basically went, I don't know anything about it. You know, she goes, well, I just told you about it. What do you think? He goes, well, I don't really know anything about it. Just because you said it doesn't mean that's so. And that that was sort of his response when he was asked about it during his, um, uh, what would they call his little? Town hall. Town hall, thank you, yeah. It was actually a debate. He was debating Savannah Guthrie. Yeah, well. (laughs) You know. um, I was shocked that he agreed to do it on NBC. How was your breakfast this morning? What was that? I was just shocked that he agreed to do it on NBC because NBC has their news division is is it. very liberal leaning and M- NBC and MSNBC, um, you know, are are very vocally anti-Trump, and the fact that he agreed to do his town hall on NBC I thought was shocking um, on his part. But I figure he, he he thinks he can hold his own against anybody, um, you know, and I thought he did okay. You know, I mean, I watched both of them, by the way. We didn't talk about that on the radio show. Did you? I didn't know. I did not. I figured you didn't because you were enjoying your anniversary. I was. So, I was. Um, congratulations one final time on, on your anniversary achievements. Uh, staying Thank married you. to my brother is a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> So, 
So, um, yeah, no, I watched both of them. Um, and, uh, you know, it, here it was interesting because they were on at the same time. So I set it up to record uh, one while I watched the other. Um, and then it turns out here on the West Coast, they played, uh, at least the local NBC station, played Trump's at 8 o'clock our time. It was done at 8 o'clock Eastern time. So they just time delayed it and didn't play it until later. So that ABC ran the Biden one live at five o'clock and then at eight o'clock, then the Trump one was played here in the Los Angeles area. So you could watch both of them. They were not going on at the same time. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Which, you know, but they didn't announce it to anybody. You just had to kind of go figure it out because they were scheduled on at the same time. And you could already go on and read what Trump was saying during his live while Biden was going on because they were happening simultaneously uh, which was a little weird but but I think it made sense I would have I guess they didn't want to give up that much time uh, if they like played it live and then also then replayed it later so people could watch it if they missed it because they were watching the other one or something like that you know so know. what did you think of the difference in tenor and the nature of the questions yeah well um, clearly the um, it was interesting that both of them had people who were uh, supporters of the other side at help asking some of the questions when they had people in the, in the and they were both both uh, polite and respectful of the fact that there was somebody that had that was supporting their opponent, which, you know, you could you could imagine even uh, if it wasn't necessarily in their face that there would be some backhanded kind of snarky stuff from Trump, because that's just sort of his style. Right. It's like, you're not backing me that I don't care about you kind of attitude. Um and uh, and Trump handled it well. Biden handled it well. Um, there's no doubt that Biden's was more congenial because he was amongst friends as opposed to Trump, who was a little bit more combative because he clearly wasn't amongst friends uh, in terms of the person doing the interviewing. Um, I didn't feel like it was um, uh, a huge argument in that. I mean, there were some people that said that, you know, that, that Trump got attacked uh, by Savannah Guthrie the whole time. She asked questions, and then he, like many politicians do, decided not to answer that question and would answer a different question. And she would say, but, Mr. President, that wasn't the question. And then she would go back and try to say, you know, like when she asked about the um, um, uh, what was the group you talked about? What was their name again? Um, QAnon. Thank you. QAnon. Uh, she asked about QAnon and he says, well, I don't know anything about QAnon. And she goes, well, you know, when she introduced the question, she said, this group QAnon has said these things. What's your response to that? And he goes, I don't know anything about QAnon. Well, that didn't really answer the question. She didn't ask you about QAnon. She asked you, what's your response to what this group said? And everything he says is, is is used as a gotcha. I don't blame him for not wanting to respond. Well, I think that's very typical of most politicians is if they don't want to talk about it, then they don't. They answer around it. But I also understand that as a as a questioner, he didn't answer the question. She she tried to she, she said, I didn't you know, I told you what they've been alleged doing. What's your your feeling about that or their their response? And then he 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 instead of re- responding the first like initially, he says, well, I don't know anything about them. Then he said, like I had previously said that, hey, you don't know. I, I don't just because you said QAnon does this doesn't mean that they're that. I know that they're very anti. Um, uh, um, uh, I can't remember even the topic now, but you know, he pointed out one thing about them that was positive that he felt, and then he then he said, how come Biden's not getting the same kind of questions about um, uh, about Antifa? Antifa? 
Yeah, and and, you know, and that's very typical political posturing. I don't think that's anything that anybody should have like lost their mind over either way, because that's a very typical question asked of a, of a political person and a very typical answer of a political person when they don't, I, I don't like the way it was framed. This is, a, this is a conspiracy theory, and um, it's not something that he's ever expressed ownership over or connection to. And I don't remember them asking Obama about Alex Jones's conspiracy theories. You yeah, know, but they I, didn't. I, they. I, I think it was an unfair question. Well, I mean, we can agree to disagree. I think that you know, it's 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 a a question. There's a group out there that is is, you know, uh, claiming some support from him, but clearly they're they're. You know, and and to his discredit, he doesn't come out and say, you know, hey, I have nothing to do with these guys. Um, he always gives sort of an obfuscated answer about it. Uh, you know, likewise, though, he, he you know, he's correct in pointing out that, you know, nobody ever asks Biden, you know, you know, what do you think about Antifa? And if they do, they immediately accept his response, which is that, um, you know, that, um that that's not Antifa a is an idea, not yeah. an organization. Uh, yeah, it's not really an organization. It's not like they have they have meetings, and it's not like they have, um, uh, you know, a um, you know, elect presidents of their group or anything like that. And so, you know, I mean, and, and that's sort of a non-answer too. It, you know, it's sort of the same thing. Meaning, like, I don't really know anything about this, and you know, let's move on, kind of thing. Um, you know, I I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in any of those conversations because it's it's both sides of it it's it's you know news people trying to get the candidate whichever side to to somehow take ownership or say something that they can then hold them to about some fringe group you know yeah and, i think it's a bogus question but it's it's well i mean i think you know it's a fair question but it's not um uh an important question and you know unfortunately our news people are more about like let's catch a headline than they are about really discerning what people's stances are on things i felt like um i didn't realize this but apparently um uh joe biden has throughout most of his life had a stutter and that so so he so part of the reason that he bum fumbles a little bit is he's actually that's how his stutter manifests um uh but apparently, you know, in, in listening to him talk, there were times when it was a little uncomfortable listening to him talk because he. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Well, then I and then. Um, uh, yep, but, you know, and oh, God, that's irritating. It's just it's frustrating. He's, he's so bad at talking in public sometimes that it's it, it's it's frustrating. That said, you know, he didn't seem like he was, you know, outside of his faculties or anything in terms of being able to answer. He just struggles to get the words out sometimes. Um, I felt that Trump came off. Um, much more like in control and thoughtful and presidential than he has in, in previous things. He didn't come off blustering and, you know, it wasn't a stump speech type of moment and he recognized that. And so when people ask questions, he listened to them politely. He answered their questions politely, you know, because I think he also recognized that the people asking questions are normal folk. They're not politicians. They're not news people. They're not professionals. And so it would be impolite to jump all over them because they're just people you know and to see him do that i thought was admirable um because you know the way he normally behaves or at least i shouldn't say normally behaves way he has behaved at times in the past i thought was very non dishonorable 
you know, in the way he 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 um, uh, bloviates and blusters. I just don't I don't like his style a whole lot, but but his substance, um, on, you know, on, on a lot of topics, I think I, I agree with some of his policies. Um, I just his style bothers me a lot. And so it was nice yep. to see him so behave like a real the, human were, being. <laughs> what were the questions, the kinds of questions they asked Joe Biden? Because from what I understand, again, I didn't watch it. Probably go mm-hmm. back and watch it now that I, now that we spent a weekend just focused on, you know, celebrating 27 years of marriage. So now that the yeah. weekend's over, I might go back and probably go back. <laughs> no more celebrating. But, <laughs> that's right. Go back to normal life. But, um, uh, you know, what... I under, from what I understand, the questions that were sent to Biden were pretty softball. Um, I thought they were topical. They were not um, uh, attacking, but I didn't feel like that they were, um, uh, you know, particularly softball. They were just, you know, they were questions about his his um, his policies and his plans if he were to be president. I, I thought they were appropriate questions. Not all of them were, you know, from I mean, they were from the audience as much as they were. Um, uh, uh, from um, uh, Snuffleupagus, and and so, um, you know, it, it's not like they were intentionally softball questions and stuff. I, and the one thing I will say about him, and this is this seems to be his style, which is you know we talk about how I don't like Trump's style. One thing I do not like about Biden is Biden would never answer a one word respond or give a one word response when when two or three paragraph response would do for a guy who doesn't speak well he wants to speak he, he gives long-winded answers for stuff you know and it's as if it's as if he wants to explain the reasoning for his position on everything that he does as opposed to just tell you what he believes and sometimes that's called for sometimes it's not and so um you know he, he sometimes even like stood up so that he could like make his point more um, because the two of them were sitting in chairs up in, you know, kind of opposing each other on the stage. Both of them were set up that way so that the question, the, the moderator and the candidate were sitting in chairs about, I don't know, 12, 15 feet apart, something like that. Um, I personally didn't feel like that they were any more softball, but they were probably um, not girded for anticipating attacking type of responses. I think that part of what makes it seem like Trump gets tougher questions is because of the questioners anticipating that his response will be aggressive. And so they they kind of gird themselves for that. So sometimes their language and their wording is a little different. But I felt like the the actual questions were similar. My personal okay. opinion. You know, it's not okay. like they asked him, like, like you said, you know, admittedly jokingly at the front end is like, what'd you have for breakfast? You know, it wasn't, yes. wasn't like they were that way. They were all policy questions about what, what his plans are as, you know, if, if he were to get elected and, and, um, and, and what his thoughts are on different subjects or topics. And so, you know, take it for what it is and you can watch it and maybe come up with a different opinion. But, um, you know, I felt that both, both Trump and, Biden got questions that were, you know, of similar ilk. Um, I will say that that there was a sense 
And and certainly, it you know, it, the Trump one was slightly more combative because Trump, although he was very congenial to when when people were asking the questions, when Savannah Guthrie was asking the questions, he was more aggressive, and and she clearly was ready for that, knowing who he is and how what his style is like, and so I think she, you know, that that comes out. I mean, she probably it's, it's, wanted him to be aggressive towards her. Well, it's she just human nature. Him, I, I mean, I, I, I just, well, it's, you know, if you, if you're talking with somebody who, who is known to be aggressive, you're not going to go in, you know, skipping and going tra la la. You're going to be ready for them to, to be aggressive with you, and see, so you. Beyond just, that, Todd, the optics of him being aggressive towards an attractive woman, um, uh, she was then could go in and say that he, that that you know that he's that he doesn't that he's a misogynist. I'm sure that was part, that was on her mind. I'm certain of it. Okay. There's a narrative there. Okay. You know, I mean, no. I didn't, I didn't see her coming out and saying that, but she maybe has said such afterwards. Um, no, 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 no. Well, it, <laughs> she doesn't have to say it. It's there. Well, then, you know, you know, if it's there, then that's on him. You know, he, he's no. got to recognize the situation no, I, he's I, I in disagree. as a politician. That- and if you're being questioned by somebody who, who's an attractive woman, as you describe her, then, then that's on him to recognize who he's talking to and to make sure that he 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 uses language that doesn't present himself that way unless he doesn't care i think if if, uh she's going to be in the big league she needs to you know obviously she's she's she was fine with it but um, i don't like this narrative that kamala harris did after her uh debate with um uh mike pence where she was you know, he was mansplaining and he was talking over her. Poor me, poor me. No, lady, you're in the big leagues. Suck it up and deal with it. Yeah, no, of, I, I totally agree know. with that. I didn't see that happening in this situation. Um, I just, in fact, I didn't say anything about her being female. I just said that anytime an interviewee is going to interview somebody who's known for being aggressive, they're probably going to uh, gird their loins for the attack, right? And And that's just human nature. So we can continue the conversation once I've watched the debates. Yeah, exactly. We're talking. Yeah, yeah. And, and you may have completely different take on it. I know in sitting with my wife, she she felt that Savannah Guthrie was was out of line. She she didn't like her, but she also said she doesn't care for her as an interviewer in general. Um, you know, she's not a fan of her her interviewing skills when she's like she's on the uh, NBC morning show today yeah today yeah she's one of the co-hosts and and on that in that role you occasionally interview people and ask them questions and you know a lot of it's very softball interviews about you know with you know the celebrity chef and that kind of stuff but sometimes they have news people on those morning shows as well and so um you know you get the opportunity to interview political leaders and things like that um i don't watch nbc morning shows i i quit watching back when um before Matt Lauer became the Matt Lauer we all loathe, um, oh, I guess he was probably already the Matt Lauer that we all should have loathed, but we didn't know about it. Um, before the whole Matt Lauer thing broke, he was sort of instrumental in removing um, a co-host, and I felt that that was tacky and tasteless, and I didn't like the way he did it. And so, uh, Ann Curry is who I'm talking about, and I didn't like the way it was handled. Ann Curry got promoted from being their newsreader to being a co-host. And she was only there a short period of time. And all the rumors were that that uh, Matt Lauer had her fired. Uh, and now it probably turns out probably because he was a slime ball and she wouldn't play ball with him. 
And uh, and so I feel very vindicated. But I refused to. I, I quit watching NBC News after that because I didn't want anything to do with a company that would allow a guy who would have that kind of power fire somebody who was clearly capable of doing the job and did a good job. Um, and so I quit watching them years before Matt Lauer, uh, you know, story broke. But uh, my wife keeps NBC on because she kind of likes the morning crew that's there now. And, and admittedly, Matt Lauer's gone, so... But, you know, I don't know if the people who were, like, right above those guys, like the producers and stuff, if they're still the same people, if they are or not. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're still there. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, although... I have no idea if they are or not. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know how deep it went, like, when the, when the whole Matt Lauer story broke, were there people who, like, were, like, producers who were, like, well, they knew about it, so now they've got to go, too, and that they cleaned house? I don't know. I just don't know. Um, I just got used to not watching them. So I watch either, you know, if, if, well, watch. I don't watch morning TV, but if I do, it's probably going to be either CBS or ABC or more likely ESPN. <laughs> you know, because yeah. you got to have important news like, like uh, you know, how badly did the Packers get beat yesterday? Huh. <laughs> Man, that was awful. They got something. So, they were up 10 nothing, um, and then gave up like 32 points. Never scored again. They scored in the first quarter 10 points and never scored again. Who did they play? They played Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it was Tom Brady's new team against Aaron Rodgers' team. And they just punched holes in the Packer defense like they were a hot knife and we were butter. It was was painful to watch. I was so happy that the Dodgers won later because it gave me something to feel positive about because I was... Like uh, Dodgers came out afterwards and said we needed a good kick in the arse um, because he says you know we were just we were flat we we were flat in practice this week you know they they just came off of a bye week so they didn't play last week and uh, he says this will hopefully wake us up and we'll be stronger and better as we go through the rest of the season because because of this so we'll see one can hope what can hope so. Have you seen so Robert Reich, who was who worked for the Clinton administration? He was the uh, former Labor Secretary, and I think he's a professor mm-hmm. at Berkeley now. Mm-hmm. Um, he is calling for a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to erase Trump's lies and expose the enablers. And <laughs> I was like, when I read that, I thought, "You've got to be kidding me! We don't do that in our country." Yeah, so, yeah. He points to he, to places where it's been done in other countries. Yeah, we don't do that here. Right. We don't do that here. So when a, when a, when this night, this is his quote, when this nightmare is over, we need a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Uh, it would erase Trump's lies, comfort those who have been harmed by his hatefulness, and name every official politician, executive, and media mogul whose greed and cowardice enabled this catastrophe. Yeah, I think so, that's such a horrible idea, just beyond pale. We... The, we we don't put political op- opposition on trial in this country. We don't do it. Right. You know, he talked about how it was done in, in Hitler's, it was done at, you know, the Nuremberg trials, but Hitler killed millions and millions and millions of people. Yeah. Trump well, but that. if you go with the narrative, then the, the entire COVID thing is Trump's fault and millions of people have died because, because Trump didn't handle it right, which is baloney. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's a virus. Well, and, and millions of people haven't died in this nation, and every other nation is not his responsibility. Right. He's not responsible for how many people die in Italy. Right. 
they have their own president. And yep. he's not responsible for how many people die here either. Yeah, no, he's not responsible. I, I, I mean, it's uh, the, the the picture that, that the uh, progressive politicians, liberal politicians are trying to paint of somehow Trump is responsible for all of the deaths from COVID because he didn't do something right is ridiculous. Now, I don't agree with some of the messing, messaging that's come out of our federal government um, in lots of ways. Um, I think it's it's been kind of a little bit of a hodgepodge at different times. Different messaging has come out, you know, but we've also adapted to something that was new and novel and we had to figure out how to deal with it as we've gained more information over a period of time. And so, um, you know, and and I would further say anybody who's who's listening to any politician about what to do for a medical issue is foolish. That's on you. You know, work. You know, grow up. Be an adult. Listen to to medical people to understand what's going on with with the medical issues, and then decide what the risk is for yourself, and you decide what you're going to do. Um, and exactly. that's a, which honestly is pretty much what the federal government has said. Is here's what yes. the medical people are saying. We're not going to put a lot of constraints on you. You figure out what you're going to do based on that. So we're not children. Yeah. I don't. I have a. I have parents. I don't want my government being my parent, and government yeah. is certainly not my god. So yeah. I, I. I. I think this is ridiculous. This is this is another yeah. quote. Um. Uh. That centuries that they need this commission because centuries of enslavement, state-sponsored racism, denial of civil rights, and ongoing economic and social disparities. You know that needs to be needs to be fixed. So this is this is a a witch hunt. This yeah. is an incredibly bad idea. Now, yeah, this is his America, answer to Black Lives Matter as well as COVID, as well as uh, as uh, uh, Trump's legacy. Yeah, well, and, and Trump, just throw it all in one pot. Say this to them, but Trump didn't. There was no slavery when Trump was president. You know, you can't hold this man responsible for something that ended with the Civil War. Yeah, you can't hold this man responsible for something that ended in the Civil Rights Administration. You know during the civil rights era in the 1960s. Yeah. No, that's why he's man responsible for all of the ills in the government. Yeah. That's why he's, he's trying to throw every ill that the country has into one big giant pot and hold these big trials and, and, and have yes. a commission say you're right and you're wrong and you're right and you're wrong. And there will be retribution. Right. No, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, 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 I mean, it's laughable. It really is. That's such, such a horrifically bad idea. And I can't imagine that anybody would go for that. You know, well, I should say that those who think that they were wronged and might get something out of this, right? So if you imagine that you were wronged, that you were personally wronged, and so this, this maybe would lead to a way for you to get some kind of a payoff, those people would support this. Yeah. Yes. You know? Yes. So Andrew Cuomo has come out and said that Americans should be very skeptical about taking a COVID-19 vaccine approved by the FDA. Um, well, that's asked helpful. Specifically, yes, by George Stephanopoulos. How confident are you in the approval process of the FDA right now? And his quote was, well, first now, how confident am I? I'm not that confident, but my opinion doesn't matter. I don't believe American people are that confident. Uh, you're going to say to the American people now, here's a vaccine. It's new. It was done quickly. But trust this federal administration and their health administration that it is safe. We're not 100 percent sure of the consequences. I think it's going to be 
very skeptical American public about taking the vaccine, and they should be. So oh, now my. they're back. They're conspiracy theorists in the government that you know anti-vaxxers. <laughs> ha! Yeah. I I I hate what we have become. I really do. This shouldn't be political. It shouldn't be political at all. We're talking about a vaccine. We're not. I mean, it shouldn't be political. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if the doctors get together and say the testing was sufficient and it's and it's having positive effects uh, and it can keep you safe, then, you know, that said, I know that there people look back and they, they always point to that um, uh, drug that caused all of the um, the uh, thalidomide. Yeah. Thalidomide. You know, they, they always point to that. And that's like the worst horror story. Right. Everybody sees these pictures of deformed babies because of a drug that moms took and and so you know that's everybody's horror story um you know yeah, but, yeah. and it was awful there's no yeah that you know your baby's born with flippers instead of arms i i yeah um yeah that was just horrifying yeah horrifying yeah but you know you you um you you look at it and it was you know that wasn't even a a um uh a vaccine you know vaccines we know what vaccines are each vaccine is essentially the same thing where they're using some sort of of um deactivated or dead version of a virus to help your body create immunity to that virus okay thalidomide was a drug that went in and did specific things um and you know it it didn't, you know, doesn't have the same kind of action. Whereas every vaccine has the same basic action is help your body create antibodies against this particular virus. And so there's much less chance of a new vaccine that creates, that helps your body create antibodies for a virus going south than some new chemical compound that we've, you know, are going to give to people that requires, I think even further testing than a vaccine would because, it has, we don't know what kind of side effects it may or may not have. And so. So Governor Cuomo said that he's going to put together his own group of doctors and medical experts to review the vaccine and the efficacy and the protocol. And if they say it's safe, then he'll, then I'll go to the people of New York and I'll say it's safe with that credibility. He said, but I believe across the country, you're going to need someone other than this FDA and this CDC saying it's safe. And then Stephanopoulos asked him, and that means we're going to need a change in the White House. Is that what you're saying? And he said, look, I personally hope for a change in the White House, but put that aside. If this administration continued, the CDC and the FDA doesn't have any credibility. So the people who are working for the CDC and the FDA have been there. We're talking about we're not talking about people who change over every year, every four years. We're talking about people whose career it is to, to be in research and in testing and in infectious diseases and medicine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So all of a sudden, because he doesn't like Trump, these people have no credibility. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, it's just another attack vector that's being used. And, you know, who cares if it's if it's destroying public confidence in in the health system that might be able to provide us with some sort of protection against a, you know, pandemic. I mean, that's not important. 
he says very sarcastically. Uh, <laughs> did you know that they still use thalidomide? Oh, for what? Thalidomide not, not originally, it, yeah, originally it, sp- it started in West Germany, but was available over the counter and was used as a uh, for anxiety and morning sickness. And that's when they found out that it caused all the birth defects and stuff, but that they use it um, uh, to treat a number of cancers, including multiple uh, myeloma, graft versus host disease, and a variety of skin conditions, including leprosy, and has been used in a number of HIV-associated conditions. Huh. So clearly they make sure that you're you're not... Yeah, exactly. Clearly, you don't use it when you're pregnant. Uh, uh, um, and if you're male, I guess it doesn't matter. I don't know if there's any issues with it there. But apparently, they've been continuing to use it. Uh, I, that was shocking to me. Uh, but, uh, yeah. It was approved for medical use in the United States in 1998. I wonder if uh, the use for it, you know, for morning sickness, if that was off-label. If it was, because I think if they would have done any testing specifically for that, they would have seen. I, I can't yeah. imagine that it wouldn't cause birth defects in pregnant mice. So I wonder if the if the morning sickness thing was an off-label use of know. that drug. It was uh, thalidomide. It said, I mean, I'm just reading Wikipedia. In 1957, West Germany was available over the counter. And when first released, was promoted for anxiety, trouble sleeping, tension, and morning sickness. Interesting. Thought to be safe for, in pregnancy, concerns regarding birth defects arose in 1961, and the medication was removed from the market in Europe that year. Total people uh, affected was roughly 10,000. Uh, roughly 40% died during birth or, or uh, around the time of birth. Those who survived had limb, eye, urinary tract, and heart problems. You, uh, huh. It says the initial entry into the U.S. market was prevented by the FDA. Go FDA. The birth defects caused by thalidomide led to development of greater drug regulation and monitoring in many countries. Yeah, it was, um, I think the, the, the it was used a lot in the U.K., for example. Mm-hmm. I, I've not seen any reports from Germany, but I'm, 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 it sounds like it was over the counter. People probably used, used it a lot. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, I mean, it was introduced there, but it doesn't mean that it didn't quickly spread throughout Europe. Um, yeah, I mean, it was literally over the counter. You could buy it like aspirin. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but like I said, Crazy. in 1998, the U.S. said that it was released. The World Health Organization lists it as one of the safest and most effective medicines uh, needed in your health system. And it's available as a generic. Oh. So apparently, other than... This horrible, horrible birth defects. If you're if you're pregnant, don't take it. But other than that, apparently it's pretty safe and does a good job in a variety of different areas. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So we are completely out of time. We need to end on something happier than thalidomide. Th- 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 I can't even say it. Thalidomide. Well, that's a. Ha- th- but, but you know the fact that it's that yeah okay it wasn't good for pregnant women but that it's that that it can treat a lot of other things that's yeah. uplifting. It is. I guess you're right. I guess that is positive if, if it's it, if it's used properly, and and uh, it can be very safe and effective as a treatment. And so, like a lot of things, there's good and bad. And you need to learn to take the good with the bad and figure out what what's exactly. the overall best or worst for the world. Right. Exactly. Sort of like politics. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's wrap it up then. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Todd Brinker. 
And I'm Erin Brinker. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you tomorrow.